Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Ranamic. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. We're a little bit kind of basal because there's a particular video that I have been trying to get ready for you to show you how, uh, well, actually, it was to refute something that we spoke about yesterday. And I processed the video into an MP3 instead of into an MP4. So what I am doing right now as we speak is hoping not to crash this computer as I process it into a MP4 in real time. As we're speaking here, I want everybody to see this video because I think it is important to show what goes on. Uh, I mean, it is extremely important for us to start showing what exactly happens, how the Republicans misconstrue, how they do things to fool you, how they do things to change things. But anyway, welcome to Politics Done Right, my peeps. Michael Rudd, I know you don't want to talk about it, so I won't bother you about it. I hope things get better. I hope things get better. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Not let's see. Michael Rowe, MP3 is audio. Not I know. I know. Welcome aboard, Melanie Keelan. Welcome from Barcelona, Spain. Welcome aboard, E2247. Welcome aboard, uh, Michael. Welcome aboard. Para ver quién más está aquí. Uh, Eric Hayes is in the house. Also in the house is Bridge MCP. Also in the house is Lee Grant. Also in the house. I'm going from bottom to up. El Señor Paul Fleming, the Atlanta, Georgia, as well as Yvette Avery Herod from Atlanta, Georgia. And, of course, Paul says, ATL is in the house. ATL is in the house. And guess what? It seems like the processing of the video on the same computer that we are doing this broadcast that I was hoping. Okay, let's hope it can handle all of that all at once. You know, these computers, eventually they get aged. But anyway... It seems like we got the video in and I'm about to load the video and make sure it loads and it loads. Okay. Anyway, let me go ahead and uh, talk to you guys first. Michael says, I'm having a bad day. Don't want to talk about it. We won't talk about it, but please let you know that we are putting on to you some positive affirmations. We want those positive affirmations. Everybody give Brother the Rudnin positive affirmation. Bridge MCP says, hey, y'all. Paul Fleming says, all oh, ATL in the house. You've read Avery Herod says, afternoon at PDR Posse. Replying to Michael, sending prayers and hugs from more beautiful Avery Herod. Paul Fleming says, ignore E today and see what happens. L-O-L. L-O-L. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, we got Hidalgo is so mad. Her appointment election administration is now going to be out of a job. Should always be elected, not appointed. Do you really want a partisan handling your election? That's fine, as long as they follow the law. I, the truth of the matter, it makes me no difference as long as everybody have equal rights to the vote and there's no hanky-panky. That's fine with me. All right, let's see what else we got here. Burgess was seven. Let's see. Uh, uh, the Nebraska teenager charged for allegedly taking abortion pills that her mom ordered has pled guilty to one felony and faces up to two years in prison. Her mom faces up to eight. Burgess was 17 at the time, but was charged as an adult. Oh my God, is that real? I hadn't seen that story. 
Thank you for bringing that into the fold uh, from Jezebel.com. Wow, uh, E. Burgess, I'm glad you pointed that out. That is something to be blogged about. Uh, Lee Grant says, hey, y'all. We have E2247 says, warned about retaining classified document notes reveal unreported warning contained in notes taken by lawyer Ivan Kokoran that prosecutors have viewed in recent months. I imagine that has to do with the Trump thing. Uh, what else have we got here? What else have we got here? Going down, going down, going down. Uh, para ver, para ver. See if I have anything to talk about before I get to the first video. Uh, that wasn't allowed in Tutu. Let's see what else we got. I'm, I'm going through your stuff. Okay, let's get busy. Yesterday, remember the video that I did with Bob Good. Bob Good is one of those Freedom Caucus guys who attempted to bully. If you notice what he was doing, he was bullying Katie Kerr, uh, Katie Kerr, Katie Turr, yesterday when he interviewed her. And the truth of the matter, I, I, I was pretty mad because, you know, that's what a whole lot of these bullying male Republicans like to do, right? Well, bullying males, period. But specifically, bullying male Republicans, they, that is what they enjoy doing, bullying women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm watching that and I'm saying, Katie, why don't you say this? Katie, why don't you say that? And as if divine intervention occurred as soon as I got off the show yesterday, a TikTok showed up in my stream. Because I look at a lot of political news, I get a lot of political stuff in TikTok from Congress and all that kind of stuff, right? And this panel came on that pretty much gave, disproved everything that this congressperson had to say, if you read between the lines perfectly. So what I want to do is I want to go ahead and play this, this for you. It's going to be showing the end of that interview with Katie Turr and then what I got in TikTok that came into my feed yesterday because it answers the question. It didn't mean I had to go do the research. We had a whole panel of economists that could refute what was said. So check this out. And before I say that, well, check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. So you're saying just just hold a line. I, I hear you there. Let me ask you about uh, tax taxes and raising taxes. I, I know you weren't in Congress for the the Trump tax cuts and, and that bill, but according to the CBO, that added 1.8 trillion dollars over 11 years. That is a big addition to the national uh, debt. Why would you not put taxes back on the table for the very very rich among us? And corporations, why would that not be a part of these discussions if you're talking well, about fact, trying to lower the deficit? The fact of the matter is we don't have a revenue problem. And because the Trump tax well, cuts job act, which I was not here, which I was not here before, as, much as, as you said, out. I didn't vote for that, but I would have voted for it. And that's why we have a record $400 billion in revenue coming in. Do you know if we just went back to pre-vote COVID spending across the board, which was about $4.5 trillion for all mandatory and discretionary spending pre-COVID 2019, the $5 trillion a year we're realizing in revenue right now would mean a half a trillion dollar surplus at pre-COVID spending with current revenue levels.
levels because of the Trump tax cuts. We don't have a spending, uh, excuse me, revenue problem. We've got a massive spending problem. And by the way, 80% of Americans in the polls overwhelmingly say they either don't want the debt ceiling raised, that's about 20%, or 60% say, so combined 80% together, 60% say they only want it raised with cuts and reforms in place to put us on a path to fiscal responsibility. Let me ask you the Biden-Schumer position is only supported by 20% of Americans. Let me ask a question in here. I know you said that you would have voted for the Trump tax cuts. Would you vote to extend the Trump tax cuts? Oh, absolutely. Because, again, that that is incentivizing... That's incentivizing the right things. The CBO says, uh, that, that is key. To our, that, that is key. No, trillion we, to the deficit. We cannot sustain the one to two percent anemic Biden growth. We got to get back to three to four percent. The Trump growth patterns that was fueling our economy previously. So it's growth as well as cuts that'll get us on a path to fiscal stability. Let me ask you a question about the deficit, though. If you are going to vote to extend those tax cuts, that's a three point five trillion add to the deficit per the CBO. That is a big addition. If you want to cut spending and you want to get us on a path to a balanced budget, I mean, it seems like that would be in conflict with your goal. That's historically just inaccurate. Every time we cut taxes, we generate no, more growth, we generate more revenue. The Democrats predicted back in 2017 that when we had those tax cuts, we would have a reduction in revenue and therefore increase the deficit. And the Democrats lie and say that the deficit and the national debt has grown because of the tax cuts. That's simply it's not, not true. Democrats, when revenue has a bottom line number, when you grow the pie, you only have to take a smaller percentage of it to fund your government. We've grown the pie, and that's why they've got record revenue coming in. We've never been $5 trillion a year in revenue until the last couple of years, and that is in large part because of the Trump economic policies, including the tax cuts. It's not the Democrats. It's the CBO that says this. I'm not naming any Democrats. I'm giving you the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office. Now, it's important that we call these crooks out immediately. Notice what he said. Oh, you... you, you, you Uh, cut taxes and the economy gets better and it pays for itself. This has been refuted, but they keep saying it over and over again and people believe it. Let's listen to the facts from a committee that I think it's uh, Van Holland had in Congress. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. The Trump tax cuts did not pay for themselves. In other words, they didn't raise more revenue over time uh, than they than they gave up. If we could just start with you, Mr. Koch. Uh, yes, Senator, you are correct. Uh, federal revenues are lower than they would have been if not for the Trump tax cuts. Uh, the Trump tax cuts did not pay for themselves. I provide documentation in my statement. Uh, I agree they did not pay for themselves and they did not trickle down to um, employee earnings. I prefer to think of the tax cuts as a one-time cost. I don't think they're an ongoing uh, contributor to the deficit. Well, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at something, uh, Mr. Michelle, that when you put together when you're at the Heritage Foundation, and you've got you've got twelve myths, and one of the myths, and I'm quoting, is that the tax cut pays for itself. The Trump tax cut. Are you changing your mind today about that conclusion? Uh, no, I'm not. So just to be clear, the Trump tax cut did not pay for itself, correct? Not within the 10-year budget window, no. No, well, let's look at the next budget window. I'm looking at your report here, too. It doesn't pay for itself in the next 20, in the next 10 dozen. Uh, The the, the cost was largely a one-time cost. Uh, The economy was projected to grow. I'm just just looking at at your own report here. Uh 
right? It didn't I'm, pay for itself in the second. I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Um, and Mr. Um, Mr. Hodge, did the Trump tax cuts pay for themselves? The Tax Foundation modeled every iteration of what became the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act from the beginning to the end. And at no, no time did our model ever predict that it would pay for itself. And our model is perhaps the most sophisticated model in Washington, and it does not estimate that virtually any tax cut will pay for itself. And that's a kind of a myth. We spend a lot of... So it is important for us to get the facts. And then I'm going to go into a little bit of macroeconomics here. Okay? And because I want folks to understand what happens. And first of all, I want you to note that the guy who was trying to hedge his answer, when he's, when he's doing the math, by the way, he worked, he worked then, when he came out with the report, he worked then for the Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Foundation is a conservative think tank that that gives you plausible data on the conservative aisle that border that borders on reality, but mostly on fallacy. Okay, that's who the Heritage Foundation is. You read a Heritage Foundation paper; they know what they want the results to be, and they try to cater the data to the result that they want. But the the, the reason you have these think tanks is so that Politicians can get documents and say, look, look, the Heritage Foundations said that this, uh, this is occurring. I notice how the guy from the Heritage Foundation wanted to spin it. All the reputable economists and professors and doctors, they come out and they say one thing. They come out and they say that the, t- the Trump tax cuts or any tax cuts do not pay for themselves. And we'll go into some macroeconomics in a little bit. But it does not pay for itself. Punto y final. They go to the Heritage Foundation economist who also wrote in his paper that the biggest, one of the 10 biggest myths in our system is that the Trump tax cuts paid for themselves. He is writing for the Heritage Foundation and he's truthfully doing the math. And he tells the Heritage Foundation, well, look, buddies, the myth is that the Trump tax cut pays for itself. It does not. It does not pay for itself. Now, when brought into the open, in other words, not an internal document within the Heritage Foundation, now he's in front of Congress and he's under oath. What is he going to say now? What is he going to say? So they say, okay, Mr. Economist from the Heritage Foundation, please tell me. Uh, do you still agree with what you wrote, that the Trump tax cut paying for itself was a myth? He said, yes, the Trump tax cut does not pay. First, he wants to say, I look at the Trump tax cut as a one-time cost. Let me tell you what he wanted to, to imply there. He wanted to say, no, it doesn't pay for itself. But the way I want you to envision the Trump tax cut is that we just cut taxes and that's it. Punto y final, it's a cost of doing, it's a cost. He wants to expense that tax cut as a one-time cost. But you cannot expense the tax cut as a one-time cost because those taxes would have had to be paid year after year after year. So it's not a one-time cut. That's a lie. When you cut taxes, you cut taxes for a period of time. So it's not a one-time cost. It's every year that you're not paying that tax that you otherwise would have paid. Okay, so now we're there. We know that he's trying to cover 
he, you know, he's a conservative. So he's trying to make something look plausible, like they lie all the times with plausibility. So now he says, but, uh, uh, and then, then the guy, the, the, the congressman asked him again, the senator asked him again, are you sticking with what you wrote or not? Yes, I am. It didn't, so, and then he changes. He says, so it did not pay for itself for the 10-year period that we were covering. So what he wants to imply there is he doesn't want to just say, no, it doesn't pay for itself. So he just says for the, for the 10 years, it doesn't pay for itself. But you know what? He extended it past 10 years in his report. So the senator again comes back and say, wait, 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 wait. We're not going to let you get away with that answer. Let's go. It doesn't, it doesn't pay for itself in the second period either, right? And he says, uh, no, what I'm telling you is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. In other words, again, tax cuts do not pay for themselves. The laugher curve is just what we say it is, a laugher, okay? The laugher curve is nothing but a laugher. And uh, let, let's go ahead and throw this on the screen as I'm speaking because I have a lot more to say on this, but Bridge wants me to get this one on the screen. So there it is on the screen. I want you guys to know the person who came up with this, this talking point for Republicans is called, his name is Arthur Laffer. Look up the Laffer curve, L-A-F-F-E-R. The idea being that there's a sweet spot that if you keep cutting taxes, the amount of economic activity you will get will pay for the taxes. And there's some point of intersectionality where that number occurs. It's false. It's just something he drew up on the back of his paper with no data at all. No data. Let's get, let's get busy about it now. I want folks to understand this. Supply-side economics, which just says we give taxes to the masters. We give taxes to the people on the top. And by giving taxes to the people on the top, what then occurs is they decide to invest that into the economy and create factories and create economic activity and employ people. And that's why we should have supply-side economics. Because those gods out there, the corporate executives, as they're paying more taxes, guess what? They will invest that money and create in a more robust economy. Full. If you want, first of all, that's not democracy. What that is, is saying, we take your money, give it to these wealthy people, and they decide what you are going to want. They decide that, well, maybe I'll build a car factory and then start selling cars and let you buy the cars that I decided you needed to build or to buy. Let me go ahead and create this other thing that I am deciding that you are going to want. That's supply-side economics. That's a master-slave relationship. I tell you what you are want or what's available for you to want. That's what I do. Let's talk about the democracy in economics now. And I'm starting a new series on TikTok called Freedom. Okay? So here's the deal now. Aquí es la cosa. Mira lo que voy a decir ahora. Listen to what I'm going to say now. If, however... You give tax cuts to the masses, right? Instead of giving that $1.5 trillion to those executives who generally have stolen your money legally anyway to have had that money to give, instead, if you give that money to the average American citizen, 
Guess what they have? Money in their pockets. And money is the democratizer. What is money going to do? They are going to decide if they want apples or cherries. They're going to decide if they want a Ford or a Toyota. They're going to decide if they want bread or donuts. They're going to decide all these things. And based on what they democratically choose, the demand that they create would decide to the people who are in the business class that are going to build factories, etc., what it is that people want. It's called democrat a democratized economy people don't get it we buy the crap from the the heritage foundation we buy the crap that republicans sell you about let's ask how it's going to affect business you know i was on a panel one time and this panel had a left a very left wing person that was me it had a middle of the road democrat that was another woman it then had a moderate which was another woman, and then it had a conservative businessman, okay? And the, the facilitator said, uh, you know, what is it, you know, what, what would people want? And, uh, and, and we started to talk about policies, right? And the very first question the businessman asked was, how will this affect business? You know, and I jumped in right away. I said, if you take a look at all the problems we have today, it's because that is the question we ask. How does it affect business? If we ever started asking the question, how does it affect humanity? How does it affect our citizens? How does it affect people? and then make business adapt to the things that make people happy, guess what? Society would be much better, and business would be much better. But business would be more equitable. Why? Because in the process of doing all of this, it means that we will have to make choices that would be less individual and, and will allow businesses to reap a lesser profit. Because the profits they make now anyway is unearned. It's on your back. So we have to develop a new paradigm in our thought process that is hard to put out there since day in and day out, we are populated from, from all of these statements that people make on national cable news and national broadcast news on all these things that work the way they don't. I wish, I wish we would take it more seriously. I wish we would learn a little bit more about macroeconomics because the, the, all the economics that we stand by completely debunks everything that conservatives speak to you about economics. Absolutely everything they speak about economics is wrong. It's just the form of theft going up. And by the way, I, I blame the, the, the uh, ne neoliberal Democrats as well, not just Republicans. Neoliberal Democrats fall into the same trap as well. How does it affect business? When they make comments like, we can't, we can't afford health care for all, really? Even though it costs more, just 
You're just, and, and I mean, it costs less. And why does it cost less? Because you're, you're taking the profit away from people who are just profiting off of your illness and giving you nothing in return. All those CEOs that make billions over on, on top of our health insurance, they don't contribute anything. They don't contribute absolutely anything that makes you healthier. If we reserve the profits for only those people that make you healthier, that informs you, that keeps you knowledgeable on how to be healthy, then there's a lot of profit that's being earned that is undeserved. And that is where the efficiency of policies like Medicare for All come in. But you know, when you, are, uh, when you suffer from uh, Stockholm Syndrome, where you adapt the policy of the person who is holding you hostage, it's hard to break. But you can do it. All of you here can break the Stockholm Syndrome. Not of everybody. You will always have those who cannot believe how wrong they were. So they, they build a cocoon around themselves to just disassociate themselves from the real reality. But you will have influence in a substantial portion of your sphere of influence. We got to remember that. Got to remember that. We got to remember that. Okay, let me go ahead and go to the chat now to see what my peeps are saying. All right, let's see. Para ver, para ver, para ver dónde está mi gente. Lee Grant, it looks like I'm going to start with you, Brother Grant. Let's see. Uh, first, uh, Lee Grant says, I heard the American Taliban wants the Ten Commandments posted in school rooms. It's a fundamental document of Western culture. Egberto, which commandments do to, uh, to you take issue with? I have no problems with the, the Ten Commandments. I grew up a Christian. I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a humanist. but I love the Ten Commandments, to tell you the truth. I, to, to, to put it bluntly, I live more by the Ten Commandments than Donald Trump. I live more by the Ten Commandments than most Republicans do because I honor and I take care of people. I, don't, I, I feed people. I make sure that I don't down people as our Republican brothers and sister politicians do. So no, the truth of the matter is progressives in the aggregate, the things that they support, I mean, they have their flaws as well, because in as much as they preach things like anti-racism and all of that, many of them still are. I'm going to see that again when I go to Netroots, and I'm going to have to bring it up to them again, and I'm going to, to and this is a quite, the, the whole society, because all of us are reflective of where society currently is. Some of us feel guilty about our feelings. I, I, you know, when I, in my very old days of being a homophobe, of being a sexist, I repented and did what was right to better myself. Well, a lot more of us need to do a lot of more bettering of ourselves. Okay. So, and, and when, uh, so, so that, and, and to, to call, to call the Ten Commandments Western culture almost tells you, you don't understand where the Ten Commandments came from, which is Israel, right? Not Israel, which is the, the Middle East, right? And there's nothing Western culture about the Middle East now. So let's get this right. What the Western culture, as you, even from the statement you just made, my brother Lee Grant, even from the statement you just made, 
just answer the, pre the, the preeminent state question about Western culture. It is an adaptive culture that takes the best of every other culture to create that culture. There's nothing inherent within Western culture proper. Not, neither not, democracy isn't, and all these other things aren't. It is an adaptation of many instantiation of other cultures. So whenever I hear people talk about the West, we are built upon the Western culture. No, you're built upon world culture. Let's get that right. You're built upon world culture. And because remember, where all these different cultures around the world in the primitive times, in the 1600s, the 1500s, they were nothing but warriors and killers of each other. Whether it be Europe, whether it be Africa, whether it be Asia, wherever it was. Whether it was the Incas, the Mayas, the Aztecas, all of that is true. So get off your horse, my brothers and sisters, who just think Western culture is the great thing. Learn your history. All right. Let's continue. Michael Rudden says, Republican primary objective is to lower taxes for the filthy rich and their mega corporations to increase the wealth gap is what they want. All this culture war nonsense is a cover as distraction for their regressive economic policy. I'm going to filter a, one of the callers that I had today because I proved that, right? When I was able to speak to this guy to his heart, I mean, even when he got off the phone, he wanted to say, well, we'll have to agree to disagree on certain things. But when we went point for point, we pretty much, he pretty much realized his humanity. And he pretty much agreed with what I was saying. And I'm going to cut that section out of this morning's uh, interview. Because the, most people are good people. Even the ones that you see try to make it seems like we progressives are crazy and, and they want to do X, Y, Z. They are using externalities that screws their, their humanity. And that is why we are here to just open that door. Not to slam, slam stuff, but open that door for change. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm going down. I'm going to try to read something else. Mike Cisek is in the house. He says, Maywood, what are you talking about? For, for over a century, tax cuts have led to economic boom along with the higher taxes revenue. Again, we have the numbers to prove that that is bunk. Okay? The, the good thing about it is saying something doesn't make it so. And we have the actual models that can calculate act, uh, what, the, what caused the economic activity of any good thing. But just simple macroeconomics techniques tells you something. If you put money into the hands of people who are going to spend it, that's what they do. They spend it. And it's... Economic activity isn't how much fixed money there is in any said economy. It is how many times that money passes through the hands of others. Okay, that is economic activity. So therefore, if I give a tax cut of $100 billion to the guys at the top, they take that money and they decide what to do with it. They may invest some in Europe. They may invest some on Cayman Island. They may invest some to build a factory. But they are deciding what to do with the country's money, not the democracy at all. And then they decide what they're going to produce. It's called supply-side economics, voodoo economics, or Reaganomics. Now, 
if that tax cut instead went to the masses, if, if, if you said we are leaving that, leaving all of the high moneyed people out of this tax cut because already they've made enough money on our backs. All the profits that they've made was on our backs. They don't, they don't have the intellect or anything other than to know the capitalist system and how it works. But as far as the intellect to create something, they create nothing. They don't create, they don't create products. They don't create, look, I love, I love Bill Gates. I love Warren Buffett. I love these guys because they're wealthy and they're giving their money away, but they don't have the right. They don't have the right because they have the money. They can decide how this money or what things are supposed to be done with it. I don't agree with that. I believe in democracy. That's not democracy. We are lucky that Buffett and Gates are fairly nice guys. But all the money that Buffett earned wasn't because Buffett is a stock investor. Okay? Bucket Buffett is simply playing the strings of other people's work. All the all the profits Buffett's made was made on somebody else's work. Figuring out this company may do good that company may do good, that company may not. And for that, he makes billions. But the people who are actually doing the work, the people who are actually producing, the people whose intellect are being used, again, we have learned to accept a system that rewards the most to those who do the least. And then we also try, like with Stockholm syndromes, we then try to defend those people. Come on, man. We have to be more intelligent than that. We have to have a more equitable system. So going back to the fact, if we give the money instead to the people who will spend it, macroeconomics would tell you they will spend it. And when they spend it with the bread maker, the bread maker will make more, buy more flour. When the bread maker buys more flour, he has to go ahead and go to more money to the farmer. When the farmer gets more money, he knows that he has to buy more grain. When he to grain to plant, when he goes to the company to buy grain to plant, even that corporation does better. But they don't want to teach you that because there is an incentive to keep people poor. They will always be willing to work or cheap. If everybody knew all of this, if everybody knew their in inherent value, their intrinsic value, the people who make money off of money but does no work or do no work, then that couldn't exist. The profits will be way down, as it should be, as it should be. All right, uh, Paul Flamin says a person that as a per uh, as a person that's come close to death several times. If I say what my mind I saw, I wouldn't expect many people to believe me. So I don't believe I could ever get everyone to close to believing. Egberto, how am I? How am I dealing? Uh, let's see what's that for. Oh, I, I hear I hear you, Vidij. I, I already have that on the screen. I, I somehow passed that. Okay, let's continue. Let's continue. Uh, let's see what else we have on the screen before I move on. Let's see. Uh, Lee Bree says, Lee, they can surely have them and many good, but not in schools. Yeah. And again, the Ten Commandments do not believe in schools, belong in schools, because you have Muslims, you have atheists, you have agnostics, you also have uh, Buddhists, you have a lot of people that have different things. Uh, you know, let me tell you where I stand on this particular issue. This is where I actually stand. You can only put up the Ten Commandments if you can put up the laws that, that any other religions want to put up there. So if we're going to make it, I don't want to ban it. I'm saying, okay, if it's legal for 
a school to put these Ten Commandments up, allow folks to put statements from the Quran in, allow people to put states from the, whatever the Buddha book is, allow people to, the Torah, of course, is the Old Testament and a little bit more, allow people to put all those things in. Then I don't have a problem with it. All right. Paul Feynman says, the pro-life club is now the pro-murder club. Oh, they've always been the pro-murder club. Always, Paul. Always, Paul, but you got that right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Mike Cisak, don't confuse all income taxes with federal income taxes. You talk, your talking point needs a substantial corrective center for American progress. Low-income Americans face higher payroll taxes than rich Americans. Americans with less than five-figure incomes pay an effective tax rate of 14.1%, while those making seven figures pay 1.9%. And actually, if they if you go higher, they it it, it is inconsequential. The under one percent, brother uh, brother um, Rudnin, because of when you make a billion dollars, the max rate for for social security goes away. The truth of the matter is, we don't have a social security problem if everybody paid the same percentage. In fact, if all income, meaning capital gains and 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 wage income, was taxed, if all of it was taxed. And each one of them had to pay social security tax on the totality of the income. We could reduce the, uh, we could reduce it from 14% all the way down because there's a lot more money to be had. But you know, they don't want to tell you that. They want to keep you fooled. You know, they really want to keep you fooled. And you know, again, like I said, uh, uh, the neoliberal Democrats are part of the force as well when it comes to these kind of policies because they could be articulating this to all our base. But they don't want to because, again, the idea is if people realize that the, the entire economic system is a fraud, what happens then? Those people that have been benefiting from the fraud, the, from the inception of this country, they won't like it. All right. Uh, let's see what else I have that needs to be read. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver que más tengo aquí. Uh, we have Brises Egberto. The Bible is just a moral story for us. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And that's why I said, I live, by the, I live for all practical purposes by the Ten Commandments. It's amazing, I find, that the people that least live by the Ten Commandments are those who practice or who are trying to tell everybody to do so. And in fact, before I continue reading, why not let me play this last video? So let's go ahead and do that, and then I'll be right back. When we talk about the Republican Party becoming the American Taliban. Some people think we're exaggerating, right? But as it turns out, it is absolutely what's happening. When you get a bill that's, that gets out of committee and is going to the floor uh, that says one must post the Ten Commandments in every school in America, uh, please tell me that that isn't making or that isn't making sure that Christianity or it's funny that they're using the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, but that Christianity is somehow the religion of the land. I want you to listen to this, then we'll take it on the other side. I say this to you as a fellow Christian, Representative I know you're a devout Christian, as, and so am I. This bill, to me, is not only unconstitutional, it's not only un-American, I think it is also deeply unchristian. 
That was Texas State Representative James Tallarico earlier this month as a committee was taking up a bill that would require public school classrooms to display the Ten Commandments. Representative Tallarico's arguments did not win over the majority of his Republican-led committee, and the bill was later voted out of that committee and into the full state house. And that is where it sits tonight. It is on the agenda for a full vote. But even if it does not pass or if the vote does not happen in time, the bill will effectively die. But even then, it is just one of an estimated 1,600 bills, 1,600 bills in state houses across this country that attempt to dismantle the separation between church and state. Representative Tallarico, a member of the Texas State House and a former public school teacher, what are Republicans trying to do to public education in the state of Texas? Well, first, thank you for having me, Alex, and thank you for shining a national spotlight on what Texas Republicans are trying to do to our public school students. They're trying to indoctrinate. They're trying to impose their version of Christianity on 5.5 million Texas public school students. And it should be offensive to all of us, those of us who love the Constitution, those of us who love democracy, and particularly those of us who are Christians. You know, I, I'm the grandson of a Baptist preacher from South Texas. I attend the same church where I was baptized when I was four years old. And I find these bills deeply offensive to my faith. And so I, I think it's incumbent upon Christians to speak out that these bills are exclusionary, they are idolatrous, and they are diametrically opposed to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, and this is coming on the eve of the Uvalde school shooting anniversary, which is tomorrow. A lot of parents would like to see legislative action on schools as it pertains to gun safety reform. But instead, Republicans are focused on dismantling the separation between church and state. I mean, I think to anybody who was alive in the 20th century, it is shocking that that is not only being talked about, but being acted on. Can you talk a little bit more about that opinion that this is a Christian nation that needs to return to its Christian roots and how that's been embraced by the right as their sort of new raison d'etre. You know, I, I completely agree that my colleagues who confess to be Christians should return to their Christian roots. And we are called as believers to see Christ in all things. That means we are called to see Christ in the students of color who thrive with diversity, equity, and inclusion at Texas universities. We are called to see Christ in the voters in Harris County who are trying to access their God-given rights at the ballot box. And we are called to see Christ in those 19 babies and those two teachers who were massacred in a classroom at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. The fact that we have not lifted a finger to prevent a tragedy like that from happening again should be offensive to everyone watching across the state of Texas. We desperately need people in public office who will fight for the students of this state and who will truly live out the values of their faith. This is pretty sad. This is, in fact, the beginnings of the American Taliban. Unless we vote these folks out of office the next time, they will keep taking a bigger and bigger bite to either enforce that we follow their ideology, their twisted ideology, or just go ahead and take it by force. We have to decide going forward if we are going to adopt the ideology of the American Taliban. We have to decide. We must decide if we are going to live in real freedom or we are going to continue the gullibility we've had 
to create to, to make a particular group, a minority, a, a group that occurs a minority in the American political system, but are willing to use all the structures within our political system to force whatever they want to force upon us. Are we going to remain gullible or are we going to vote these people out of office? I wonder, I wonder how much, how much can one take? Exactly, exactly. Bridge MCP, uh, that's a good chart that you have on us. You know, Republicans like to give the idea that somehow we are paying so much in taxes. And it turns out that in the OECD, (laughs) all the other countries minus Korea, Chile and Mexico pays more in taxes than we do. Think about that. More in taxes than we do. And what that proves to us is uh, the, the pains that our people go through. And I mean, when I say pain, I'm not speaking figuratively. I'm speaking literally. I mean, uh, from our healthcare system, it, it just shows you uh, how how draconian. You know, I, I was watching a, a a TikTok from a a young woman from Uganda, and she said, "Until America learned that it's individualism." is one of its biggest flaws. I repeat, as America learns that its individualism is one of its biggest flaws, we won't be going anywhere as a unified society. And she's absolutely right. We teach individualism not because that's what people want. We teach individualism is that if you are an individual, you can't fight you can't fight the corporate structure on top. You can't fight the plutocracy as an individual. But if you learn community, if you learn to love thy neighbor, by the way, commandment, right? Love thy neighbor as thyself. If you learn all these things, right? It's amazing that suddenly you care. And as you care, you protect your brother and your sister. And these discussions about cutting taxes and taking Similac out of the mouths of babies and making sure that just a few, your money goes right up the ladder to the few, the the people who least earned it. Suddenly, you won't allow that to happen. Suddenly, you'll start listening to those people who are trying to make lives better for you. It's that simple. But, you know, it'll take some time for us to get through. It'll take some time for us to get through, but we will. Uh, Egberto Willis, the Bible is just a moral story for us. Bible is equal to basic instruction before leaving earth. <laughs> it's amazing you said that, before leaving earth. That is funny, Breach. That is funny. Daniel says the Chinese would agree with Egberto. They think they have the greatest culture ever, but the reality is Western culture built the amazing, connected, technological, democratic world we live in, kind of hands down the most successful culture ever seen. Hmm. You somehow think that you, that, that, I don't know what you mean by West, Western culture. If you mean Western, uh, because the truth of the matter is all of us err in Western culture that we all created, right? You didn't create Western culture, right? Uh, all of us are, uh, like I said, Western culture is a composite of the best of everything, right? That's why in America you can come and you can have all these different kinds of foods and you can have all these different, these different kinds of economies of, uh, within the system. That didn't come from like, 
oh, well, I don't. I, I think what happens a lot of pe- times is people use mask words. I want you to define what you think Western culture means, because I know deep in your mind what you may think, but I won't assume. I'd rather you articulate it. So I'm going to leave that up to you whether you want to articulate it or not. Um, let's see. Carl Cox says wrong again. Hayes. Uh, let's see. I don't think the schools had enough walls to put up all the different religious beliefs. There you go. And that's why you just keep it out. Right. Uh, continuing, continuing. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, send some prayers and a Bible that will, will help. Huh? (laughs) I don't think it has so far, Bridge. I don't think it has so far. Uh, right on Egberto says Carl Cox. Uh, let's see what else we got. Egberto, actually wrong. This country is forced to pay and come to the rescue of other countries all the time. Look at NATO Americans lead with their purse and give freely via the government. You see how, you see how gullible that we, we are? Somehow you think that we are giving money to Ukraine, right? We are in a kind of way, but the real money that we are given is going to our defense industrial complex that is ripping us off as we... They want us to give money to Ukraine. They want us to do that because every tank that gets blown up in Ukraine, every tank, we replace it with our tax dollars and the wealthy folks who build it in uh, in, uh, Black Rocks companies and, and Lockheed and all these other companies, they make money. We're not giving any damn money to Ukraine. We're giving it to our defense industrial complex. The war is just a means for us to make money. That is how, that is how, what is the word I like to see? How uninformed we are. Okay? That is so uninformed. And if uh, Eric says, so just stop it, we can't stop it. You know why we can't stop it? Numero uno, because we started it. Numero dos, we can't stop it because, again, both Democrat, Democratic neoliberals as well as Republicans, all of them are in bed with the defense industrial complex who tells them what to do. And that's why you need to elect progressive if you want to do things right. It's that simple. It is that simple. Eric Hayes, Egberto, were you in Panama when Noriega was there? Yes. Well, I visited, of course. I was in Panama in 19... When I, I, I think the invasion was in 1980, 1980, right? December 1980. I had just visited December 1979, I believe, if I recall correctly. And my father, when, when it just started, it was crazy. My father, the, the missiles... By the way, Panama doesn't have an army. The missiles were flying over my father's house to go to Cuartel Nacional in Colón. Uh, they destroyed a whole neighborhood where there are 10,000 people in a, t- a tight, confined set of tenements and all of that, where the Cuartel Nacional, where Noriega was supposed to be. They, they flattened it. Again, that is who we are. That is how our military operate. Ask Colin Powell. Go in with massive force and destroy everything. Every, all, all of us people in, in Panama in those times were just considered collateral damage. Okay? Collateral damage. Um, we're running out of time right now. I just wanted to ask all of you to please uh, support the show. Uh, I, I ask you so kindly. The show needs your support. If you be so kind to do so, I will be 
able to continue doing this. We have a lot of work to do. So I ask you, those of you who have the wherewithal, if you go, I'm going to give you just two links today. The first one is how you can support the show. You know, the, the standard support for the show can be found in politicsdoneright.com slash support. politicsdoneright.com slash support. And that's in the feed right now. But I'm heading to Chicago to the biggest, the largest um, place where uh, progressives get together, discuss policy, discuss how we're going to handle 2024, and actually 2023 as well. So I want to ask you to support us, or support our trip, and donate to our trip. And there are a lot of good things for those people who uh, support, you know, who support our, our, our trip. So I'm asking you so kindly, support our trip. I think you will enjoy uh, what we have to offer. And it goes like this. PDR is again on the coveted radio, broad, ra- on the coveted radio road to broadcast events at record and record interviews. I was one of the first to interview a wide-eyed up-and-coming Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez there, and I told her then that she would win and beat Congressman Joseph Crowley, who was supposed to be Nancy Pelosi's replacement. And when I told her that, I have that video, when I told her that, she just laughed. I said, no, you're going to win this one. And she did. All right. I will interview between 25 to 50 uh, politicians, at least. And, um, uh, you know, and um, what we need to do is fund the trip. So what will you get if you help fund the trip? All donors will have their names unless anonymous listed in the credit section of every video. You know where you have to scroll? Every video will have your name in it. Every YouTube description will also show that you are a supporter and co-producer of the video, as well as we'll have a, a, a page with a lot of information with you, with showing that you supported our our project, those who give a hundred dollars or more, they will get a full internet searchable page. Of course, we have to approve it to make sure that it doesn't violate tax or rather violate um, copyright violations, etc. And likewise, uh, those who give two hundred dollars will get an embroidered, an embroidered polo, as well as a. Uh, as well as one of my books, just about everything. The first 20 people who give 35 bucks or more will get my book signed. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors, and a bumper sticker. So I ask you so kindly to please support the program. Either go to politicsandright.com support or go to the link that I have in there to go to our uh, benefit for the trip to Netroots Nation in Chicago. I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out!
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.